You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a summer edition of the Zone 32 podcast. The NFL might have an offseason. I'd say we don't, but we do. We, we come back in and out intermittently, but it doesn't matter. We're back today. My man, Mr. Grant, is with me. I'm Jake. Say what's up to the people, man. What it do? What it do? What it do in the loop? We're back, motherfuckers. Now, you see, it's summertime. There's no football going on, especially right now. We're waiting for training camp and everything. The draft's already happened. The free agency's already happened. The second wave of free agency's already happened. So now you get some vets that are sitting out there waiting for a call like a Richard Sherman and a Melvin Ingram and a Justin Houston who might want too much money, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, yeah, a little bit of news. I'll actually, Before we get into the reason why we're getting together today, let's talk about a, a rival team that you and I both equally say they can go fuck themselves. And they live on the banks of the three rivers where the Allegheny and Manaha. How the fuck is it? The Mahangalela, whatever. Ah, I don't care. I'm not from. I'm not from Pennsylvania. Where the two rivers, the, the two hominy. That's right. Mahogany, Mahangahela, Mahangahela. I think it's what it is. I think it's the Manaha. Managahela. Whatever the. I don't care. I don't give a fuck about Pittsburgh or Primantes or whatever. But when the two rivers come together to form the Ohio River, the Steelers, they went and decided to cut. David DeCastro this past week, getting rid of four of their five starters on the offensive line from a year ago. And obviously they brought in Trey Turner to replace him. So Grant, what the fuck are the Steelers doing? Honestly, I have no clue. Like I'm trying to look at like every way of logic. Cause you know, normally the Steelers have been traditionally like a good team, a team builder, uh, you know, I'd say decent at drafting. They more hit, on, I don't know, they've missed a lot lately. The Terrell Edmonds pick is still a brain scratcher. Um, you know, a lot of times there's somebody there available for them, and you're like, uh, what are you doing, bro? Um, they they hit on Juju. I mean, they hit on Claypool. But I, I feel like their second, third, fourth round guys are more substantial than their earlier round guys. Um, I'm not sure what the whole – I'm still confused about the whole DeCastro thing. I mean, he was recently a pro bowler. Um, you're thin on the offensive line. My only thing is, is maybe he talked about retirement. You know, maybe he's just done hanging it up. But you talk about you lose Pouncey, DeCastro, and then Villanueva goes to your rival. And, you know, a lot of Steelers fans are like, oh, he's washed up. Villanueva's washed up. Now, I've been watching him in training camp. That guy's far from washed up, and he's still a formidable offensive tackle. And, you know, him, him even being on the right side is probably a top 10 right tackle in the NFL. So it's like, what are you doing? You draft this running back who's your new shiny sports car, and then you get rid of your whole offensive line. So it's like, you know, we were just talking about dynasty fantasy football. Najee Harris is the clear-cut number one pick this year. And then you go ahead and look at that, and you're like, damn, dude. Like, I feel bad for the dude now. Then you got a guy that he's a geriatric at quarterback, and he's, you know, every game they've been making jokes about him because he's – you know, iced up from from all elbows to his hands to his knees to his feet to like everything. So I mean, honestly, I don't even know what's going on. That whole team's falling apart. The organization's falling apart. They don't really have anybody that you can say, "Dang man, I you know he's an absolute stud." My guy's Devin Bush. I love Devin Bush, but he can't stay healthy. You know, Minka's great, but he's Hollywood's son. 
So, I mean, like, you you know, you look at different things that the Steelers are doing, and I don't know, but I love every fucking second of it. I'm, I was talking to my buddy yesterday, and, like, honestly, I would be surprised if they won five games this year. And that's not a knock on that, but, I mean, you look at the strength of schedule. They do have the easiest schedule. But, at retrospect, what are you getting out of – Ben Roethlisberger, you've paid four quarterbacks this year. Why do you keep signing quarterbacks to contracts? You got Haskins, you got uh, Mason Rudolph, you got Josh, uh, you got uh, Dobbs, you got Ben Roethlisberger, who accounts for, you know, 17% of your cap. Like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you could use that money to have signed an offensive line, and then it's like you get rid and cut the cash show, and you're like, oh, Trey Turner, he's going to turn things around, pun intended. But at this, he's not. He's not. He's. He, he, there's a reason he was still there. There's a reason he was still a free agent. He wasn't just waiting for the Steelers. Nobody wanted him. So you know, it's one of those things where maybe money wasn't right, maybe the contract wasn't what he wanted. But he's only on a one year deal. So you know, I really have no fucking clue what they're doing. But like I said, man, I'm loving every second of it. And I think that that whole organization's falling apart right now. They chose Tomlin and Roethlisberger over their future. And we Absolutely. talked about that. Yep. I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Trey Turner, obviously, he was he was the right guard for the Panthers, and I believe it was was it last year or was it two years ago? They made the trade with the Chargers where they essentially swapped Russell Okun for Trey Turner. And Trey Turner last year was a part of one of the worst offensive lines of football because Justin Herbert was getting murdered week in and week out behind that shaky offensive line. So bringing him over when you've already lost, like when – you're going to a year, two or three without Mike Munchak as your offensive line coach. That's the yeah. arguably that's probably the biggest reason why your offensive line has dropped off the way it has. But I mean, man, you have no you have no continuity. You have no continuity. You're getting rid of four of your five starters, and you're not effectively replacing them. I mean, your right tackle from a year ago because Zach Banner was hurt is kicking over to the left side. Now you're hoping Kevin Dotson's ready to kick in as your left guard and hoping he's ready to go. You're hoping your third-round pick is going to be the center of the future to replace Marquise Pouncey, who is a multiple-time pro bowler, and Zach Banner, the big 355-pound tackle, who doesn't stay healthy at all. So, I mean, Najee Harris, obviously, is the the he's the clear-cut dynasty pick first round. This year, in redraft leagues, I might be kind of bullish on him. I'm not going to lie. If he comes to me in a, in a nice value and I feel like I'm getting a come-ups with him, and I don't have to rely on him week in, week out. I'm just banking on his upside. Okay. But as an RB2, I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that. He's definitely he's absolutely not an RB1 to me in fantasy. Yeah. But in reality, I won't be, I'm not going to be so bold as to say they're going to win in five games. But I could definitely see him going seven, seven and 10, eight, nine. I think Mike Tomlin's going to have a losing record for the first time this season. You can't, you can't necessarily bet against them because historically, He's made a lot work, even when they're in retooling years or whatever. But I mean, Bud Dupree's gone. You cut Steven Nelson. Mike Hilton left for the Bengals, so your secondary's kind of in flux. Unless what's his face? The corner was it, this is the corner. Cameron Sutton, unless he's ready to come in and be the capable CB two opposite Joe Hayden, and then he kicks inside. That might be what they're banking on. But I know they wanted to keep Hilton, and they couldn't because they couldn't afford him. Juju's not bad. I'm glad we didn't pick him up. I didn't want to watch the fucking TikTok videos. That would have been the one moment. Like, I'd take Antonio Brown. I would have taken Antonio Brown before I was taking Juju. 
even though I wouldn't listen to Antonio Brown's rap album out of seriousness either. Speaking of which, I did do that because I watched fucking Urinating Trees stream and it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Horrible. Start to finish. But nonetheless, damn, it's June. Yeah, listen, we'll come out with season predictions or whatever in a couple months, right before the season begins. But right now, to me, Pittsburgh's going 7 to 10. The Bengals are still last to me because, again, they have a lot of unknown with a really young team and maybe a lame duck head coach who, be, who could be gone next year. But I mean, I don't see Pittsburgh being better than Cleveland or Baltimore next year. Not at all. Especially with that shaky front going up against the fronts in that division who could dominate. But anyway, now. Let's I mean, get our, to the front main is pretty, uh, our front seven is uh, pretty nice. Pretty nice. I'm interested to see these rookies. It's a little long in the tooth and the trenches, but that being said, they're still grown-ass men, great professionals, great hand. They have great handwork and a lot of tutelage to pass on to Away and Dalen Hayes. So, I mean, yeah. not to mention, our de- our defense is all- has been built back to the front, just like yeah. how the Pats were, just like how the Dolphins are. Load up on the secondary so you can come up with some interesting schemes and fuck with other quarterbacks. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, if, you're, if you're solidified on the back end, then you can do more flexibility on the front end. And, I mean, honestly, depending on – I think depending on how Matabuke shows out this year, I mean, Brandon Williams with his contract could be a cap casualty next year because I think it's the last year of his contract. So, I mean, he's a he's a candidate. Oh, no doubt. Especially – I mean, is Brandon Williams – I think – isn't it this year? I could be wrong. I thought, I I thought he's going to be free agent next year. Yeah, so, I mean, he could be gone. That being said, he's going to be, what, 32, 33? He's an elite run defender, but that being said, teams aren't paying top dollar for elite run defenders. Those guys get five, six mil a year on the market, so I could see him coming back on a very cheap deal compared to what he got in 2016, 2017. Yeah. Five years, 54 million. You ain't going to see that again. Like, he he ain't and the NFL nowadays is is strategically placed for offenses do so much spread. You know, they're in shotgun. They're passing the ball a whole lot more because it's a passing league now. So offenses are built from the outside in, and so is the running game. So those big meat blockers, you know, nose tackles, DTs, you know, depending on that, we don't really – we don't run a 4-3. We do in a sense. We run more of a 4-2-5 with a roll. So, like, you know, in, in – in, you don't need to spend a lot of money on a D tackle, nose tackle. You can draft a guy or get a guy maybe, you know, last five years or no, last leg of his career that could be formidable enough to, you know, just you're, you're a hole plugger. You know, there's not many defensive tackles and pass rushers that are defensive tackles that are pass rushers. I mean, you have the freak of nature, man crush Aaron Donald, but like, you know, there's not many people like that. I mean, it's the, the NFL has evolved. And it used to be, you know, pay that guy. I mean, Albert Hainsworth set the market for that. You know, he was the first $100 million defensive lineman. So it's like, you know, that, that's not the way of the NFL anymore. So when you got a guy that's a 15 16 $17 million cap hit that's a nose tackle DT, it's like, man, you got to really start thinking about that or restructuring it at that point. Oh, without question. No, absolutely. Can't, you can't pay a top dollar for a two-down player now. I mean, it's just what it is. I mean, yeah, Michael, Michael Pierce got – 27 mil a year not a year but a 27 million dollar deal last year he opted out for covid last year and now this year he's going to be playing his first year contractual contractually with the vikings but yeah. i mean again you don't pay top dollar for a two down player brandon williams yeah. who was in his 30s getting a little longer in the getting longer in the tooth hell of a pit, hell of a pick by the way i mean he was he was never halodi but i mean as a run defender 
he was elite. He he definitely filled that void. He was more Casey Hampton than he was Olodinata, though, because Olodi was the stage setter, eating up the space for Sizzle to go after quarterbacks. Same thing with Paul Kruger. But either way, let's talk about PFF. So PFF, Pro Football Focus, came out with a top 50 players list in the NFL. And by recollection, I'm not going to go into all 50, but I'll give you the top 10 in their minds in the NFL right now. Obviously, they compile a whole lot of data and they put in the rankings and their grades for certain players based off of whatever criteria to say positive player or negative play. Don't know how they evaluate that specifically because you don't know what a player's doing on a certain player, what their schemes are, but that's a whole nother conversation. I'll let Grant get into that more than I will. But anyway, their top 10 for this year, like coming into the year, is Aaron Donald, the number one, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Quentin Nelson. Well, it's number five again. <laughs> Devontae Adams. Yeah. And you, let's go back up because I got to see this again. Uh, yeah, Devontae Adams, five. Khalil Mack, six. Tom Brady, seven. Bobby Wagner, eight. Kittle, nine. And Rodgers, ten. Yep. And interestingly enough, they mentioned six quarterbacks. They put six quarterbacks in their top 50 players, which we mentioned three already in, in Mahomes, Brady, the reigning MVP in Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, and number 50 himself is Dak Prescott. Pressed on that a little more today, the guy who compiled the list, Sam Monson, I'm not going to disparage the man on this podcast. I've done plenty of that on the Twitter sphere anyway, but he essentially doubled down on his sentiment of Lamar's not a top 50 player in the league right now. His argument was going into 2021, he didn't believe they can definitively say Lamar is going to have a better season than any of the six quarterbacks that we just mentioned. So Grant, I'll allow you to have the floor to educate this man on his blasphemy. And not just with Lamar, but with other players that were missed, like a Tyron Matthew. Yeah, I mean, like, so this is the thing. And it really pisses me off. I just think this Sam dude just has, like, this thing against the Ravens for whatever reason. It is what it is. I don't know who his favorite team is, but half the shit he does doesn't even make sense. And, you know, PFF is, we always joke around, the nerds behind the keyboard that don't really understand the fluidity of the game and how the game is developed, you know, what, what exactly goes into the game. They look at the efficiency of the game. You know, which when you really look at it and think about it, the efficiency of the game can be manipulated in any way. You can go in there and say, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback at throwing passes between four and seven yards. His percentage is this. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback at throwing passes between 11 and 13 yards. Like you cherry pick stats to make whatever point that you're trying to make. And you can manipulate too much within those statistical analyses with that. So it's like, I get what... To an extent, they're great when it comes to numbers and efficiency. If you want to know, and that goes into the to, to the the aspect of you know with Harbaugh, what do you always hear about Harbaugh? The analytics of the game. You know, what percentage can I make this first this first down on third and two? What I'm going to go for it. I like the percentages. That's what PFF does. PFF is not a talent evaluator. They don't know the schemes of the game and how everything goes efficiently into that offense or specifically for that player. So it's more or less of, it's just a compilation of stats. I don't even know if that's a word I just made it up. It's a compiling of stats that goes into, you know, what fits that narrative. And the fact that you don't put Lamar Jackson in top 50 players at 24 years old, what he's accomplished and what he does for this team is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. 
And then you leave out Tyron Matthew, who, who is arguably the best playmaking safety in the NFL right now, if not one of the best playmaking DBs in the NFL right now. You take him off the Chiefs, that defense is a bottom five defense. They don't have enough to solidify that on the back end. He does so much manipulation and is all over the field making plays, covering tight ends, slot receivers, dropping back, you know, making tackles, sacks, all that. He does basically what Minka Fitzpatrick and Jamal Adams do in one player. He's just a little smaller guy. But what they succeed at at both of those players, he does that. So he can disguise defenses. You put you don't put him in there, then you don't put in Minka, who, yeah, he's a stealer. We all get that, whatever. But he's one of the best free safeties in the game. He's a playmaker. He's a turnover machine. Like, like what are you doing? And then you drop players back. You have Dak Prescott at 50. Look, I like Dak. I think Dak's a good quarterback. I think he's a great quarterback. But you look at the weapons that guy has, and he played five games last year. He's coming off a nasty injury. Let him rebuild up because the thing is, is that you have a lot going on with different teams. You've got Lamar Jackson, who his MVP year had – Willie Sneed, Seth Roberts, and a rookie Marquise Brown as his top receivers, and his number one option was a tight end. Yeah, it might flow that way through the offense, but you're cutting the deuce short. And the disrespect that Lamar gets is, is it, it'll never make sense to me. You're talking about a humble dude. He works hard. He keeps his mouth shut. You never hear a negative thing about him. He's the most elite player on offense in the NFL. I don't care what position you're talking about. He is the guy that when defenses are there, they stay up at night. It's a cliche saying, but you can't defend him. When you try to come up with a game plan, you better hope that it works one time out of three. And, and you know, you might have a perfect coverage on the back end. You might bracket him. You might do whatever, but he'll still get out of it and run for a 60-yard touchdown. You can't defend that. It makes defensive coordinators have nightmares. So the fact that you leave him out of the top 50 players with what he's done in the NFL and what he's able to do with virtually no help on offense, and he had a, a depleted offensive line last year. You got guys that can't even fucking do a shotgun snap, and, and, and that's basics of the NFL. So when you look at that and you look at these other players that they put in, it just makes no sense. Everybody's sucking off Josh Allen right now. Great player, but he's got a phenomenal top three wide receiver, some argue top five. But Stephon Diggs is one of the best route runners in the NFL and one of the best receivers in the NFL and hardest to cover. So when you look at that, you're talking about, okay, well, you know, Josh Allen threw 570-some attempts. Lamar Jackson threw 370-some. You got 200 more attempts. And, yeah, the yardage is there, but that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the attempts. So the efficiency of that is there with the numbers, but the efficiency isn't there on the field. So when you're talking about best players, he's not. And when you talk about best players and you leave Lamar Jackson off the top 50, you need to take your fucking list. You need to crumble it up, put it in your mouth, chew on it a little bit, take it out, put it in the toilet, flush it and start the fuck over. Because what you're doing is you're doing it for clicks. And I can't stand like when these companies come out with this huge platform because you have so many ignorant fans that don't know the intricacies of the game. They don't understand a lot. And they sit here and argue back and forth on Twitter. Well, yeah, well, PFF did this. Tag them in this. Do this. Do that. All they're doing is for clicks. That's like the chick at the gym that wears volleyball shorts and does deadlifts in front of the mirror and then cries about a guy looking at her. Like, we know what you're doing. Stop fucking doing it. And, you know, it just blows my mind. And I'm ranting and ranting and ranting. But... I love the fact at the same time because now you pissed him off. Lamar Jackson's going to come out this year and he's going to have another MVP season. I will bet right now that he's going to finish at least top three in voting. He's going to come out and he's going to have another historically great year, this time more on the passing side of it. 
He might not rush for a thousand yards this year. He might go more for like the nine hundred ish. But because that's because J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are going to get their fair share, and they're going to be rock hard in this. Pause. Um, but the the big thing with anything is in Lord Jackson is that you pissed off a guy that is hungrier for a Super Bowl than anybody in the NFL. His game is football. His mind is football. Everything is football with him. He's a kid that is having fun. It's He's after school before the lights come on on the streets, and he's just balling with his friends. And that's the most dangerous thing in football. Got me thinking about the boondocks and Riley Freeman with you telling yourself pause right there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, my man over here preaching the gospel, and he's absolutely right. You take Tyron Matthew out of that secondary, the Kansas City Chiefs defense, and they are a bottom five unit. Chris Jones is a great player, but they'll have nobody on the back end. Furthermore, he does what he can do what Minka does. He can do what Jamal Adams does. He can also do what Bryce Callahan does and go cover your best cover your slot receiver and shut him down, put the clamps on him. He's such a versatile player. Blitz, blitzing off the edge, covering the deep third, having the range to be the center fielder, to come up to stop the run. And again, Cover your oppose, cover your opposing tight end, or cover your slot receiver. Tyron Matthew not being among the top fifty players in the NFL today is criminal. You know what else is criminal? Not putting Darius Leonard in that conversation because that the maniac makes every tackle. Watch the Colts game. Is Darius Leonard making every tackle, even over Bobby Okereke, who had a nice year last year? But Darius Leonard makes every single tackle. Like it's ridiculous. And I love Bobby Wagner. I liked him more than Patrick Willis because I was a hater of the 49ers for a long time. Back when the Niners and Seahawks were doing their thing early on, Legion of Boom versus the Harbaugh and Vic Fangio defense or whatever. But I mean, at this stage of his career, he ain't the best linebacker in the game. I mean, you can give that to Leonard. You can give that to Fred Warner. Eric Hendricks isn't a better player than Darius Leonard either. And I like Eric Hendricks. He can play. But Darius Leonard... Not being mentioned among the top 50 linebackers, linebackers, but not the top 50 players in the league, that's criminal. Furthermore, with your argument saying you're not sure he's gonna that Lamar's gonna have a better year than the six quarterbacks mentioned, the question from there becomes okay, what metrics are you basing that off of? Are you going off a of yardage? Because I think all six of those quarterbacks will probably throw for more yards than Lamar will last year, will next year. And I that's perfectly total, fine. I mean, I think total, wind, like, wind and total yardage. Um I think passing efficiency is far, um, you know, I keep using that word efficiency, but when you look at the only thing with efficiency in quarterbacks that I care about are percentages, touchdown percentages, red zone percentages, third down conversions, like those types of things will elevate a game. They'll extend the game. You know, they crush, you know, having a defense, wearing a defense down on the field. You know, we're really good at just run the ball down people's throats. And I think that that's where it goes to it. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't understand where these lists come from, but they're just really fucking stupid. Well, like you mentioned before, they used to generate clicks and it's the summertime, so they're not getting the, tra- the normal traffic they are on the websites and people got to pay their bills. So they got to get something that will generate highlights and click like eyes opening and clicks. So they're going to say something outrageous just to get people's attention. So, I mean, I get it. It's 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 tragedy porn, just like you watch ESPN or. FS1, even NFL Network to a degree, or even going regular news like Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or The Blaze or The Young Turks, you name it, whatever news site there is, they're going to get you, they're going to 
put out these little high, the headlines that'll make you go, what? I gotta watch this. And then it won't be anything that you think it's going to be. And you're sitting there getting mad at yourself for wasting your time for even giving that the attention. That's what PFF is doing. It's tragedy porn of the highest degree. So, I mean, that is, I mean, that is what it is. People are going to do what they're going to do. It's trash. Talk garbage. But, I mean, another stat I do like to look at when it comes to other like comes to measuring quarterbacks is yards per attempt because for years i mean let's not go back to playing with blaine gabbard the gabbard zone and quarterbacks averaging less than five yards in an attempt hot garbage but i mean lamar jackson averaged 7.33 yards per attempt last year that was more than Kyler murray it's about the same as baker and that was like it's much higher than the gar like the garbage of the league. It's like sure, Josh Allen had a higher yards per attempt rate. He also threw the ball almost two hundred times more than Lamar from a year ago, and yeah. he has more and he has more rushing touchdowns than Lamar throughout his entire career, including last back? year. So who's the, exactly who's the running back? We're gonna call Lamar Jackson a running back. We're not gonna call Josh Allen who is the goal line back for the Buffalo Bills because Zach Moss and Devin Singletary weren't getting it done. No, I mean what's fair is fair. What's fair is fair, and you give, like you said, you give Josh Allen a bona fide number one receiver in Stephon Diggs, who last year statistically was the best receiver in the league. And so now you can make the argument he's a top three, top five guy, and that's understandable. You give him that with some complimentary pieces around him, along with a very good offensive line who kept him protected, and an opportunistic defense. He couldn't stop anybody last year because they couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback, but... They were opportunistic, and they got him back the ball. So then they were a prolific scoring offense who got completely shut down and clamped by the Kansas City Chiefs because he can't play against cover two defenses. Lamar Jackson, on the other hand, you can play cover two against him, and then he'll pick it apart. Either he'll find a hole in the zone, or he'll take off and run and and move the chains and get the first down. Like, you can play. Lamar Jackson is one of those quarterbacks where you can do everything perfectly. And then as soon as he breaks outside of the pocket, all hell go all hell breaks loose. Because then you have to chase a dude who has legit 4-3-4-4 speed, maybe even faster than that, who could break your ankles and take it to the house. So with that, with that too, how frustrating is it for a defense and a defensive coordinator when you have a guy that you think you have him nabbed on a third and eight and he gets a first down by running it in, on a broken play or whatever and extending a drive? I mean – Look at it, and I resort to this a lot, is the game-winning pass against the Browns. When he came back in the lo- from the locker room, the whole poop story or whatever, when he came back on the field, the only thing that made that play happen wasn't, the ro- wasn't anything else other than the fear of him getting the first down running outside. If you watch that play over and over, watch what the safeties do and watch what the corner does when he flows to the right and simulates he's going to run for the first down and then he plants and and throws. Like that whole manipulation of that play was based off of him running for the first down and they bit and he won the game. But having that fear, that goes back to what we say, you know, what I said about, you know, keeping up DCs at night because that is what he does. I mean, how many times have you seen where he's pinned in the backfield, somebody's getting right hit him, he spins, does a pirouette, does a quick juke, bounces out, goes right, bounces, runs left, and then just hosses one. I mean, look at the play against the um, against the Titans, which is probably one of my favorite throws of the season last year, when he threw that ball, when he rolled out 
He came up, stepped in the pocket. He almost got sacked, rolled out of it, rolled to his right, and then threw a fucking dime to Gus Edwards on the sideline on a toe tap. Like that on a third, what was it, third and nine, I think, at that time, or third and something. And like, and, and, you know, that's incredible, man. That is an incredible throw and incredible play. No other quarterback is making that play in the NFL. I don't care who it is. Furthermore, you can go back to his MVP season, week seven against the Seattle Seahawks. Really, you can make the argument the turning point of the season. It's, yeah, I want to say it was the third down. This was after he ran, they ran the QB power to score. I mean, it was the third and what, 18, was it third and 13 or 14? It was a long, it was the third and long. Yeah. And Seattle, co- Seattle, Seattle covers the receivers beautifully. Nobody's open. And then he breaks outside the pocket, outruns Bobby Wagner, which doesn't t- didn't typically happen in his heyday. Like he didn't get outrun by anybody really. Like running backs, quarterbacks, receivers. He was even fast enough to cover them at one point. But I mean, he's able to break off a twenty. Uh, it was a twenty-five, twenty-six yard run on a third and yeah, forever. And, and, and they're just the uh, the number eight ranked overall player, Bobby Wagner. That's correct. That Bobby Wagner. That's correct. That Bobby Wagner <laughs> who's sitting there like, damn, he's fast. Yeah, he's fast. Like. That dude is on that dude is on the bench telling his teams, I don't understand how fucking fast he is. I don't know. We had everything covered. I don't know what to do. And he's yeah. bef- and he's befuddled. Yeah. And it was a and it was a rainy day in Seattle. Yeah, he didn't have a great completion percentage that day. But he also had to account for what five drops from receivers. So so in reality, he should have completed 14 or 20 passes as opposed to the nine of twenty, because five were dropped. But nonetheless, runs, breaks outside, they win the game. And Seattle's sitting there scratching their head, being like, I understand how you do it. I don't understand how you defend them. And they play a zone scheme when everyone's like, yeah. just play zone, have all 11 watch him, and he ain't going to do anything. Yep. They and, couldn't stop and, like, and like I said earlier when we were kind of chatting it up a little bit, the only list that matters to me is the players list because they play against these guys. They're not sitting behind an Excel spreadsheet going, well, you know, here we got the efficiency of a 25-degree angle of the uh, hypotenuse. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. We appreciate the analytics because they do show a deeper story of the plays and what the players can do in certain situations. They don't evaluate their talent, and they don't evaluate what they mean to the game. And the players' choices prove it. Lamar was the number one clear-cut player. There's only been two unanimous MVPs, him and Tom Brady. And then you look at arguably last year, it, they didn't do it, you know, like you mentioned, because of the whole – usually they vote at the Pro Bowl and stuff. But, you know, you're looking at what, what Lamar does – and. The entire NFL respects him. There's not one player that I've ever heard say, yeah, man, he's all right. They're all like, man, that dude's insane. That dude's incredible. That dude does this. That dude does things nobody can do. And when you have players that play against the guy talking about that stuff and then you don't put him in a top 50, look, we bitch about it. Most of it is all of us on Twitter just giving PFF shit because they suck with that stuff. And it's like, you know, we ride it out. We, we do it. A lot of it's for laughs, jokes, trolling, all that stuff. But then the day you lose respect for yourself as a, as a company when you do things like that and you discredit people for what they do and how good they are at what they do it and how good of, you know, not like it matters on the field or how good of a person is, but the hate that he gets is just so unwarranted and it makes zero sense. It speaks more volumes on them than it does Lamar. The man led the league in touchdown passes. His MVP year with only having Mark Andrews to throw to because his receiving core that year was Marquise Brown. He ain't Hollywood. I ain't giving him that playoff time. Sure. Cause make plays in the playoffs, but regular season, hell no. Who's always drops those damn passes. Seth Roberts, Willie Sneed, 
and a Miles Boykin sometimes, who will probably yeah. may or may not make the roster this season. I have my doubts. I don't think he does. That was you can't yeah, you can't agree. you can't take him over you can't take him over Duke. Ty, Tylen Wallace was one of my favorite receivers in the draft. We stole him. Bateman, he's going to be a stud. Um, Hollywood, um, Sammy Watkins, what Prochet does on special teams, like that's six right there. So it's like he's not, he's out. He's got to be out. If they keep him, that's a scenario where we were clamoring for like Chris Moore to be gone for three seasons, but they loved him. And, you know, when you look at that side of it and you look at his MVP season, like you talked about, Lamar missed the, 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 you know, the comparedness of an entire game because he was blowing teams out so bad. He sat four fourth quarters. So he put up those historic numbers and basically 50 games while other quarterbacks played 16. And it's like, you don't put that in your mind and think about how fucking incredible that is as a 23 year old rookie, like, bro, what actually technically 22 turning 23. Cause he just turned 24 this year. And it's yep. like, and then you think about that and you're like, Holy shit. He's going into his fourth season. He's 24 years old and he's already done all this. You would talk about there's players in the league that if they get one MVP, you're talking about a gold jacket, but then him, he gets one his second year and does all these incredible things during the season. He's the winningest quarterback right now, all that stuff. Like, and, and, and he's not a top 50 player. Like make it make sense. Not to mention it took Josh. I mean, Josh Allen was number 40 on their list. It took him all 16 games this year to surpass what Lamar did his MVP season in terms of throwing touchdowns. And he has Stefan Diggs to throw to, along with Cole Beasley, one of the better slot receivers in the NFL. He might not like he might not like the the COVID vaccine, but that's that's a conversation for off the podcast. But either way, I mean his the cupboard wasn't bare for him for players for him to throw to. I mean, he had a bevy of weapons. And Lamar got all that done in 15 games and threw fewer interceptions that season. Hell, this year he threw fewer interceptions than Josh Allen did. So, I mean, what what are we doing? Not to mention Lamar are played one fewer game than Josh Allen did. If he played against if he played the Steelers game, maybe he throws a fewer touch. Maybe he throws for 30 touchdowns. Maybe. Who's who's to say? But all things, I mean, all things considered, Josh Allen's great. I like his game. I'm not gonna lie. I gotta give him is respect because he made a huge leap from his first two years in the league. And a lot of that had to do with Stefan Diggs and having continuity as your offensive coordinator and opening up the playbook and him getting, and then him working the offseason to get better. But to call him better than a, a unanimous MVP, I ain't going to do all that. No. Give them, like, like we've been talking, give Lamar a Stefan Diggs or a Devontae Adams or something of the sort to work with and then evaluate him. I mean, shit. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. It's un it's unfair to critique him that make because hell, you can make the argument. Lamar as his MVP season, he had the worst receiving core for a quarterback to win MVP since maybe Cam in 2015 because he had Greg Olson, but then you have Ted Ginn and Philly Brown Schmitty. and Kevin Fun. Not Steve Smith wasn't on that team. Oh, Steve sorry, Smith was with the Ravens. I, I yeah. was thinking about yeah. his rookie season, Cam's rookie season. My bad. Yeah. I thought and you said MVP. My bad. As, as MVP here, where he had to take in to throw over the top two and Devin Funches because Kelvin Benjamin was hurt and then he got fat. Yeah. And then he was a Philly, beast his, first, his rookie year. He was a beast, man. Yeah. Then he ate himself out the league and now he had to come back as a tight end. 
fat bastard. And I'm a fat dude myself, so I mean, I'm allowed to fat shame somebody else, even though anyone can fat shame whoever the fuck. People can say what they feel like, no matter who you are and what your name, age, or skin color is, or body type. Doesn't matter. But yes, yeah, it means like what we what we doing here? That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. Let's let's stop with the Lamar slander. Furthermore, let's go to Dak. It's not just them too. It's NFL Network does it. You know, Bucky Brooks over here talking about him and Harbaugh in the hot seat. He's thirty and seven. What, what hot seat? You know how many teams would kill for a coach? quarterback combination like that then then he's talking about oh they should get rid of him and get justin fields the fuck are you talking about this guy's never stepped foot in the nfl and you have a unanimous mvp that's at the beginning of his reign and you it's just like it's like why do people hate him it makes no sense and i don't think it ever will and i don't think it's going to stop either i think the better he is and the more he progresses the more hate he's going to get and it's sad and it's going to be one day where he's gone out of the league and people were going to just, man, he was really something else, man. You know, he really did a lot, man. That, that Ravens team was incredible. You know, this, this, he didn't have anybody to throw to like, and that's the shit that like really bothers us as Ravens fans is like, you're going to miss it when it's gone. Absolutely. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Appreciate greatness while it's here. And yeah. to your point, I mean, shit, if Lamar and John Harbaugh were in Cincinnati, the Browns would have like, the Brown family would have already given John Harbaugh a statue outside of Paul Brown Stadium for having this kind of track record and having a 30 and 7 record for the two and a half seasons they've been together. Yeah. They they'd have a statue already because they've had nothing other than Skyline Chili to brag about. The spin move. Yeah. That little spin move he did on them. I'm just saying, if they were if they were Bengals, they would already have statues outside of their stadiums because they've had nothing since. Like, let's not take for granted. We can talk play style. We can be like, oh, he's going to get hurt because of the way he plays. You know who's out? Like, we were talking about in 2012, not we, but NFL media was talking about Andrew Luck was going to be a 15-year starter in the league. Surefire Hall of Famer, going to win multiple Super Bowls, all this and all that. And people overlooked Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson. They're just like, yeah, you can say all you want. I hate his videos, too. I'm kind of a Russell Wilson hater now. But that being said... That man has had a longer career than Andrew Luck, who everyone was was projecting to be surefire Hall of Famer, next Peyton Manning, gonna win multiple rings, gonna be the best quarterback in the league in the in like in a short amount of time. And he gets outlasted by a guy who beats him for rookie of the year in Russell Wilson, and who's had a longer career with a with a who was a mobile quarterback who ran around. May plays on may plays on the run, run for first downs. Started like he eventually learned how to slide, but he used to take shots back in the day from P. Willis and Navarro Bowman. So I mean, just just stop with it. Enjoy what you have while you have it, and there's nothing to dictate the future. Aaron Rodgers got hurt in the pocket after Anthony Barr clocked him and broke his collarbone. Tony Romo got hurt in the pocket and broke his collarbone. Tom Brady got his knee busted up in the pocket, and he's a pocket passer. Drew so Brees. again, Drew Brees. Like, let's pump the brakes. Let's stop. Let's stop pre- trying to predict injuries on players who don't deserve it. Because I mean, you don't know who's going to get hurt. You don't know any. You, you don't know anything about the future. So let's, let's pump the brakes and enjoy what we have for now. Maybe, maybe who knows? He could have a career-ending injury week one this year. It's possible. Or he could play another ten years and be a surefire Hall of Fame. The future, the future is uncertain, and the rest of his story hasn't been written yet. So all things considered. Let's stop with let's stop with the slander. 
And also, PFF does not need to be treated like the end-all, be-all for sourcing and for rankings and all this and all that. They're a useful medium to collect data and to enlighten people on certain things, like certain analytics and how certain, like, and yeah, just for data. But the chronum is, oh, this PFF thinks that Jair Alexander is the best corner in the league when other players will tell you is Jalen Ramsey. Even though, according to the list, they have Jalen, but that's what. No, they had Jair Alexander. That's right. That's right. They did have Jair Alexander rated higher than Jalen Ramsey. I mean, ask DB, ask receivers themselves. They'll tell you who they think their best players, best players in the league are. I watched that um that cringy Brandon Marshall podcast whenever they had good old that the good old female Jarvis Landry on there, according to Marcus Peters, the 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 home girl, home girls or whatever, the home girls. Yeah, they had Jarvis Landry on there, and they had him and Stephon Diggs, and they both said Marlon Humphrey's the top three corner in the league because they they come down, they they move into the slot, they play you. They're very tough, very physical. They play man. Same thing with Jalen. They all exclusively mentioned those two corners as the best they went up against. So I mean, let's pump the bra- let's pump the brakes on calling PFF the end all be all for for rankings. Aaron Rodgers is the unanimous MVP last year, and he was. According to PFF, the third best quarterback in the league. Enough said. Silly. Nuts. But it, Nuts. Exactly. So, anyway, I say that's enough of our ranting. That's going to do it for this episode of the Zone 32 podcast. We'll be back in the near future for some ramblings and rantings. Maybe before training camp. Who knows? But in the meantime, oh! see ya! Yeah! Grant Jake. Zone 32. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. ZI Properties.